Wow. So this is the last week of four of our current series. Um, we've been looking at one of our values, our first value that uh, hope is found in Jesus. And we've been looking at um, the, the, the sentence that we put up with that, which is going to come up right now. And it says this. We actively and passionately share the gospel through word, action, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what our website says. That's what we put on our literature. That's what we declare around our value of hope is found in Jesus. That we actively and passionately share the gospel through word, action, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And three weeks ago, Russell came and he talked about how important it is to share the gospel through word. And then John, the next week, talked about how it is everyone's responsibility. And last week, Adrian talked about the importance of sharing the gospel through action. And today, I've been tasked with talking about sharing the gospel through the power of the Holy Spirit. After this service this morning, we've got another new connections course. We run a new connections course for people who have recently joined the church and are wanting to discover a little bit more about that. And I just want to just say, um, if you are new here today and you're looking for a church, uh, we're not trying to take you away from another church, by the way, so that's not the aim. But if you're new here today and you're looking for, for another church and you would like lunch and you would like to find out a bit more about the church, we would welcome you to stay. We've got space and we've got plenty of food all right so if you'd like to do that you can and we'd love to have you with us but obviously knowing that I was going to be speaking about this today and also preparing to take the new connections course this afternoon I really began to think about this statement we actively and passionately share the gospel through word action and through the power of the Holy Spirit and when I looked at that I thought what a great sentence and then I asked myself the question do I Do we? Do we actively and passionately share the gospel? Good. Do we actively and passionately share the gospel through word, action, and through the power of the Holy Spirit? And I think like all good marketing and all good literature, it's great to have it written on the can, isn't it? It's great to have these great big bold statements, you know, plastered on the homepage of our website, but they're not great if we're not living them. And I think that's a massive challenge. When I read that this week, you know, we've had, for the last three and a half years, we've had uh, a single mum live next to us with her three children. And yesterday, she, she's been the victim of poor landlords. She's basically been booted out of her home, and she's that's been really tough. And we've got to know her uh, over the last three years relatively well through COVID. Uh, and I think we've had a bit of an impact on her life. But I, Michelle and I sat in the gardens. We say goodbye to, to this, this mum and her three children yesterday as they left. Being living next door and I said to Michelle last night have we done enough we've, we've probably loved her through action quite a bit you know done little things like cut her grass just been there for her, just been good neighbours but do you know what got to be really honest I haven't shared the gospel with her I've told her that I go to church she knows what I do for a living I've told her that my faith is really important to me but I've not actually in three years of knowing this mum ever actually shared the gospel with her and I thought maybe we haven't done enough 
So it's challenging me this morning. Do I really actively and passionately share the gospel through word, action, through the power of the Holy Spirit? Another slide. Matt's just going to keep up with me here. But um, when, I, when I had the privilege of taking on the leadership of the church in March 2005, I bought a new black leather-bound Bible. And in the front of the Bible, I wrote these words. I wrote Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner. And underneath, after I'd written those verses out, I wrote, these words, God, I pray that over the next 15 years, or I think I, don't, I, think I, put, I think I put 15 years, I pray, Lord, that this church will really begin to live this out, that the Spirit of the Lord will be so vibrant in this church that we do proclaim good news to the poor, we bind up the broken heart, we proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prison, prisoners. And of course, to an extent, we've done that. But it's so challenging, isn't it? Such a challenging phrase. Do we really share actively and passionately the good news, the gospel of Jesus, through word, action, and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just journey through a few verses that are just going to come up one after the other. And I'm just going to read a few Bible verses about the power of the Holy Spirit, specifically related to Jesus. Here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says this. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Acts 10:38 says this of Jesus. You know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good. Jesus himself, when he stands in the temple in Luke chapter 4, in verse 18, you know, you may remember that story where he gets handed the scroll from the book of Isaiah and he quotes Isaiah 61. He talks about this and he says, Jesus says these words, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And then he turns to everyone that was listening and he says, Today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. What Jesus was really saying was this. This is my job description. This is what I came to earth to do. I came to be anointed with power by the Holy Spirit to bring good news to the poor, to set the captive free, and to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. It was like Jesus' mandate. And then we come to Acts 1 verse 8 and Jesus' words to his early, to his disciples, just before he goes back into heaven, he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And Jesus went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. He went around and he set captives free. He went around and he brought good news to the poor. He went around and his words of wisdom cut into situations. He was a man of incredible authority when he spoke. Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. After 40 days of fasting and prayer in the wilderness, he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I was about 15 years old, um, we were sitting in our lounge at home one Saturday evening and we were watching the telly and um, we were, all of a sudden, my dad said, the farm is on fire. (laughs) It's quite a thing to say, isn't it? 
my goodness. Because all you could see was the flickering of like what looked like flames on the building nearest to where the farmhouse was. And so Dad went outside and the farm wasn't on fire. But opposite us was the farm estate offices of Felverton Estate and they had a huge workshop next to the house there and as he looked round over the road, up the drive, across to the farm opposite, the whole of the workshop, it was a big building, was ablaze on fire. So much so, so and we're talking about five or six hundred yards away, so much so that the, the fire was so big we could see the reflections on all our buildings where we were. And all of a sudden, the road where my parents lived was lined up with cars as people came out of the village and they came and watched, a bit sad really, isn't it? a bit sick in some ways, they came out and watched this spectacle as their neighbouring farm buildings, the farm buildings of their neighbours were burning to the ground. The fire opposite that caught on fire attracted a crowd. And I'm not exaggerating, the whole road was just lined up with cars as people had obviously seen this from the village and they came to look. Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. There was something about Jesus that drew the crowds. People wanted to come close to him. They followed him everywhere. When they knew he was coming into their town, it caused a stir. John the Baptist says this, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus lived a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. A fire attracts, doesn't it? When there's a fire that causes a sense of people come to it. And Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. When I looked at that phrase, we actively and passionately share the gospel through words, action, and the power of the Holy Spirit, I think the one that I think the church has been pretty successful in, probably more than the other two over the last 20 years, maybe 30 years as I look back, is that middle one in action. I look at our church, and and John said it from the front before, and we've said it from the front before. We're we're pretty good at loving our community. I look back at some of the stories that have come out of this church and out of this church community over the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, and you know, just how we've helped people, loved people, been there for people, showed action, showed you know the gospel through action in an incredible way. But you know, and I've said this before, Christians, we don't have the monopoly on kindness. We really don't. I've got some incredibly kind neighbours who are not Christians. And you probably have too. And I think if we only become a social gospel, and there's nothing wrong with that, hear me. I want us to keep loving the broken. I want us to keep helping the poor. I want us to keep meeting the needs of the needy. Absolutely. And we're going to keep doing that. But if that's all we do, there will be a measure of effectiveness. But I don't think we'll get the whole package. I believe our community needs to be touched by the power of the Spirit. Without it, things won't change like we want to see them change. We'll see a measure of change, but we won't see the change that we want to see. And I believe that the church and every follower of Jesus can have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to come on to that in a moment, but my next slide is a picture. 
This is, when I was 17, 18 years old, this is my Kawasaki KC100. What a machine that is. Doesn't that fill you with envy? <laughs> no. Okay. It was my second and last motorbike. It was the motorbike that I had my accident on when I was 18 years old. But it was a black metallic with a gold painting on it. I loved it. And it was an unrestricted 100cc engine. And if you know Dis fairly well, if you go right down the end of Victoria Road into Dis, past the park, and there's a little roundabout near the Park Hotel, and there's a big building on the left-hand side. It's got a florist at one end, and it's had different businesses in it, and it's right next to the Fair Green Fish and Chip Shop. All right, That used to be called Chapman and Ede Electrical Engineering Company. And that's when I did my apprenticeship in electrical engineering. I served my, my apprenticeship from that base. That's where I worked when I left school. And so I used to travel from Dickleborough on my KC100 Kawasaki and I used to park it up there and go out for the day with the guys and then at night, in the evening, I'd get back on and I'd come home. And I used to love coming back up Victoria Road on a summer's day and I'd have cut-off jean shorts and my, uh, my dad nearly killed me one day and I'd have no top on I'd just have a hessian rucksack on my back with my packed lunchbox and my flask in it and I used to put it really tight around myself and I'd been outside all day long in the sun with no top on and I was like proper bronze and I'd got a cool crash helmet and on my KC100 I used to go up Victoria Road and as a 17, 18 year old I used to love weaving in and out of the traffic and it would do about between depending on if the wind was behind you it would do between about 70 and 75 miles an hour and I'd get out of Victoria Road having kept to the speed limit I don't, I don't. and I'd, I'd get out into Skoll past Desira Garage and I'd open it up round that bend and there was a little bit of a bend out of this and I'd open it right up and I'd zip in and out of the traffic and on one particular sunny day as I was just going past Flax Farm in school I opened it right up and I got up to 30 miles an hour and it went and I'm thinking it was full of petrol there was oil in the air it was, it was, everything was perfect except I couldn't get beyond 30 miles an hour and there was no power in my bike on that particular day and I could only get up to that speed and I limped into the farmyard and basically my carburetor had got gunked up and there wasn't enough fuel getting into my engine and it was like all of a sudden I lost the power I didn't have, every time I opened it up, it just went dead and I limped home. And I think sometimes, and I'm just going to be totally honest with myself and with us as a church this morning, I think we often lack the power. We have the words, we have the kindness, but I think sometimes, would you admit for yourself, you feel like you lack the power. You open up and you just say, come on, and it's like... You get up to 30 miles an hour and you just don't feel like you've got what it takes to set captives free, to release the word of God that is available to us. We lack boldness, we feel inadequate and I think sometimes we feel quite impotent as a church when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm honest, when I look around, we don't have many models to look at. 
there are not many people or church communities that I look around our country, around our community and think, wow, they're really moving in the power of the Spirit. And so often, therefore, we throw lots, we fill our calendars up and we pile stuff into our programs and into our structures and into our plans. And, and I'm not saying any of those things are wrong, but so easily they can take the place of the raw power of the Holy Spirit. I've got books and stories on my bookshelf at home that have got stories in them from people who are, we're not talking about hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we're talking about in the last hundred years, right? Smith Wigglesworth, I've got his life story on my bookshelf at home, who regularly saw cancer leave people's bodies, he raised the dead. Hello? He raised the dead. But I don't, have any, I, don't have any, I don't have any examples of that around my life. I don't know any other person that's raised the dead. I mean, put your hand up this morning if you have. Gosh, you can come and take my place up here. You're way more qualified to preach on that than I am. And we don't have many models, but this guy did. And it isn't just about healings and miracles. It's about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Charles Finney, who was known as the father of modern revivalism in the Second Great Awakening in America, he walks into a factory full of hardened working class men and the power of God fell so strongly that the whole factory floor fell on their knees and gave their lives to Jesus. Good grief. George Muller. You know who was an incredible man of God, set up an orphanage in Bristol and fed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of impoverished children who were destitute and in absolute poverty with nothing in his hand except God's word and faith, built an orphanage and set up an incredible work that shaped that part of great UK and Beyond, And you read the life of George Muller and he moved in the power of the Holy Spirit. He saw miracle and happenings time and time again of the provision that God provided food and finances. If you were to equate what his work cost us in today's day's money, I think I remember somebody saying it was like about 70 million quid. One man who believed God could and God would. And then you come to the Bible and you look at the life of Jesus and you see what Jesus did day in, day out. And you see how the early church moved. And then I begin to read the book of Acts and I kind of look at this and I see that the early church preached a simple message backed up with power. When you read the book of Acts, it wasn't complicated, really. It was very simple, but it was backed up with power. And then I look at the church today, and I think sometimes we present a complicated system backed up with little power. And so my question this morning to myself is this. How do I, how do we live in the power of the Spirit? And I think we have to look at the life of Jesus and say, well, how did Jesus live in the power of the Spirit? And before I come on to four things really quickly, and I'm not going to spend long on any of them because in their own right, each one of them is massive. Firstly, I want to say this, and, and, and you know, when I was preparing this, I really felt it was really important that we hear what I'm about to say. How did Jesus live in the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit? First, it's not related to the kind of personality we are. I just want to say that. 
What do I mean by that? Sadly, I think when we look at power, particularly in people, we look at people who are very big in presence, very good up front, very prominent. And I think we can get easily sucked in by the notion that the people who live in the power of the Spirit are the ones that are the stage type people. And, and, and I think we get caught up in this kind of language, and, and I've been guilty of it. How many times have I said, cool, wasn't that word powerful this morning? Wasn't that preach powerful this morning? Or we look at a worship leader and we say, God, didn't they lead under the power of God this morning? Now, of course, that's all great, but all of those operational people are, are seen. Sometimes I think when we look at people who we consider to be really moving in the power of the Spirit, they're like the extroverts. They're the out there ones. They're the ones who are great, confident speakers. They're the presenters of the world. They carry that kind of gregarious nature. And you might be sitting there this morning, you might think, but that's just not me. I'm quite introverted. I run, away, I run a mile away from the crowd. I, I, I'm much more comfortable sitting with two or three people and just having a drink. I'm just much more comfortable just sitting in the back, in the back row just doing my thing. You're never going to get me up here. And I'm really sorry if, if we as a church or if you've been given the impression that the only people of power are the ones that stand under the lights. Can I squash that right now? It's a lie. It's not true. I believe living in the power of the Spirit is for every believer and every follower of Jesus. Whatever God has called you to in your life, whether that's a pastoral role, whether that's just quietly blessing your neighbor, whether that's just working behind the scenes doing something, whether that's in some kind of area of profession or career, whatever God has called you to, whether you're retired here today and, and you know you, you live on your own, whether you just, just go about your daily life just like ordinary, like so many actual people, all right, or whether you're just a mom with children today and all you do is take your children to school you know and I want to say all you do I don't mean that disrespectfully that's a that's a vocation in its own right but whatever God has called you to do whether you're an extrovert and introvert whether you're out there or whether you're shy we can all be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit I pray today, this is my prayer, that the power of the Holy Spirit will not be for one or two individuals, but it will be for a whole community of believers. But there are no shortcuts, and that's the challenge. George Muller wrote these words about his life. Having done all that he did, he wrote these words. There was a day when I died utterly died. Muller once said, I died to George Muller. I died to his opinions, his preferences, his tastes and his will. I died to the world, its approval or censure. I died to the approval or blame of even my brothers and friends. And since then, I have sought to show myself only approved unto God. I died to George Muller. Jesus lived in the power of the Spirit. Four things really quickly that I have picked up. Three of them are from the time that he went into the wilderness for 40 days. Number one, he fasted. He said there's no shortcuts here. 
the main example that we see in the word of, in the gospels when Jesus fasted was obviously for 40 days when he was tempted by the devil. But in the Sermon on the Mount in verse 16 and 17, in fact, in t- on two occasions in those verses, he says, when you fast. The gospels don't actually tell us how often Jesus fasted. But I can't imagine for one moment that Jesus would turn to his disciples and say, when you fast, if he didn't example it. I think Jesus would have had a regular lifestyle of regular fasting. He certainly would have fasted as a Jew at certain times of the year, that's for sure. And we know that he fasted for 40 days. I think Jesus knew what it was to go without food and to get serious in the presence of God and to fast. I think fasting is one of the spiritual disciplines that can unlock the power of God. I don't believe we fast for that. I don't believe fasting is about twisting God's arm up his back and say, if I go without food, you better do this. But I tell you what it does. It cleanses us. It removes and helps us deal with ourself. And it draws us into a place of closer intimacy and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, which by definition will open up a door for more of the Holy Spirit in us and a greater release of the power of God. Here's my challenge on this point. Do you fast? Do you fast? I want to just shoot from the hip a little bit this morning, right now. Every single one of us should have regular disciplines of fasting in our lives. We should fast. Jesus in Mark 9 tells this story. Well, there is a story. A man brought his son to his disciples who was throwing himself into the fire and was possessed and had all sorts of demonic activity and brings him to to the disciples of Jesus and the disciples couldn't drive and set this guy free and he brings him to Jesus and Jesus sets him free and in verse 29 of Mark Mark 9, Jesus turns and and the disciples say, why can't we do that? And he says, some things only come about through prayer and most manuscripts says, and fasting. I think we've got to learn to fast. Jesus fasted. Secondly, he prayed. When I was 18 years old, I went to Portman Road. In fact, I went to Portman Road many times in my life, okay? Probably the greatest event I've ever seen at Portman Road was Billy Graham, actually. And in 1984, as an 18-year-old, I went to Portman Road and I watched this American called Billy Graham stand at the end of the North Stand on a pulpit, at a pulpit rather. And I remember sitting there in one of the side stands, listening to how simple his message was. At that age, I'd felt the call of God on my life. I'd preached a few times and felt God had called me to be a preacher of the word, as really did. And I remember sitting there and I watched this American evangelist preach such a simple message. It wasn't clever. It wasn't that long, actually. It was only about 25 minutes long. But I was gripped. And when he invited people to respond to the gospel, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people left their seat and made a response to Jesus. 
And if you read anything about the life of Billy Graham, according to his staff, Billy Graham spent four hours a day in prayer. Why was his simple message of the gospel so effective? He carried an anointing that came out of a life of prayer. Billy Graham said this once. He said, sometimes I'm asked to list the most important steps in preparing for an evangelistic mission. And my reply is always the same. Prayer, prayer, prayer. We all know that prayer changes things. But how much do we really pray? I am speaking to myself. I am so challenged by this. We recently had Steve Upper with us, didn't we? And I was so challenged by that man's prayer life that even as he stayed in my home, I heard his bedroom door open at five to four in the morning. For sake, the middle of the night. And he'd go downstairs for two hours and he'd just pray. I mean, I kind of get that when you're at home, but not when you're away as a visiting speaker. Give yourself a little bit of a break. Goodness sake. But he prayed two hours every morning. And then at quarter past six, he went off to the gym. I think that's ridiculous. <laughs> he was slimmer than me. <laughs> Jesus' whole life was littered with prayer. He got up in the morning and he prayed. He got away with his father and he sought the father's presence. He fasted and he prayed. Thirdly, he knew the word. Do you know that Jesus quotes the Hebrew scripture 78 times in the Gospels? As a young man, he would have spoken Aramaic. And he would have learned as a young Jew to recite the word of God off by heart. He would have had to have learned it. He'd have recited it in Jewish synagogues. He knew the Hebrew scriptures. Jesus was saturated in God's word. Absolutely saturated in the word of God. John and I were talking this week and I think we were talking about something that Brian had shared in his book, you know, how many people can, and, and I have to put myself, how many we can just waste an hour of the day, we can flick around on Instagram and Facebook and social media and we can just, we can just mull the day away with just mindless stuff. But it takes 15 minutes a day to read the Bible through in a year. Are we saturated in God's word? And the fourth one is this. Jesus lived in the presence of his father. He lived in the presence of his father. Jesus says these words. He says, Verily, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Jesus threw himself into the presence of his father. I would put my mortgage on the fact that Jesus walked around from village to village, from town to town, and he was constantly saying, God, what are you doing? Show me what you're doing. 
I need your presence in my life. I want to walk with you. I want to live with you. I want to practice your presence. I reckon when he walked on his own, when he walked down streets, when he walked around, he was constantly in touch with his father. God, what are you saying? But it came out of prayer. It came out of fasting. It came out of the word. It came out of who he was in, in God, in his father. And I, I actually reckon if Graham Blake lived a bit more like that just every day of his life and if Phil Taylor lived a bit more like that every day of his life and if Nicola Knights lived a bit more like that every day of his life and Barr and Kim and every single one of us who are sitting there if we lived a bit more like that where we became passionate about the presence of God in our lives. We couldn't live without the presence. We saturated ourselves in the word of God day in, day out. We set times in our week, every single week, where we fasted. By the way, I believe fasting's from food. It's not fasting from social media and Facebook. All right, so I just want to throw that out there. It's a nonsense, in fact. <laughs> you don't fast from television. You might abstain from television, that's fine. But you're far from food. And we prayed. And we prayed and we prayed. I reckon if we were to all do that, we could see a community of believers come into our encounter times, our presence, our meetings, our times together. And we could hear testimonies every single week. That'd be amazing. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had testimonies every single week where somebody said, I was at work this week and I was sitting at my desk and God spoke to me about my colleagues sitting across opposite me and I just shared with them a prophecy and they started to cry and they said, how did you know that about me? Or I was in the shop and queuing up in the supermarket and I was queuing by somebody and I just really felt I should turn around and pray with the person next to me. And God spoke to me. And as I prayed with them, they began to just well up and say, something's just changed in my life. Or we get stories here on a Sunday and people or in our connect groups and we gather together and we start to hear stories. Not, not from those on the stage, but from the whole church community. And I, I prayed for someone this week that they'd get healed and they rang me the next day and they're better. Or I shared the gospel with someone this week and I said, how would you like to become a Christian? And they said, yes. And I led somebody to Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? But there are no shortcuts. I think the more we get into God, weirdly, the more God will turn up. How cool is that? And I think, God, would you do that in me? I'm 56, and I think I look back, and I've had times in my life when I've done that. But I've wasted so many hours. I've messed around in just like, almost like just doing church, doing Christian, doing whatever it is to keep me going. But how desperate am I? How active and passionate am I to share the gospel through word, action, and the power of the Holy Spirit? How desperate are we? How much do we want this? There's no place in the kingdom for spectators. There's no place in the kingdom for just consumers. There's no place. 
But there are only a place for disciples of Christ who will say, God, help me to live like this. God, help me to live like this. I love getting up early in the morning. I'm up, I'm always up at five. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be, but if that's the only time you can find for the presence of God, why don't you? But the times and days and weeks where I've wasted that five o'clock to six o'clock period, caught up on Sky News, BBC Sport, Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> just being honest. A little bit too much Instagram. And I've just not lived in the word. Just not like giving that time to God. Help me, Lord. Help me. I can only live my life. You can only live yours. But I reckon if we really, really got serious, like Jesus was serious, I think we'd see much more of the power of the Spirit released in us. We really would. So we're going to finish with a song. If you need the power of the Holy Spirit to touch your life this morning in whatever area, you might need a word of wisdom in some situation that you're processing right now. You're not, you may need to be making a decision about your life. You might be sick. You might have illness, you might have physical ailment, you might feel you just need a touch from God this morning. We said that our gatherings would be a place where we would open up to the Holy Spirit and ask God to move. If you want God in whatever way this morning, we'd love to pray for you. If you want God out of what I've shared this morning, we'd love to pray for you. But as we sing this song, the leaders will be around near the front, there'll be connect group leaders around, we're happy to pray for you. Okay, but come Holy Spirit in your power, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.